passage today is one in where a woman has her closet ripped open. The door is bashed down and what's inside just spills out for everybody to see. And so we'll, we'll see, one, how the religious leaders of the day deal with that closet and we'll see how Jesus deals with it. The passage is found in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, starting with verse 1. It's found on page 870 in your pew Bible. I invite you to turn there or to follow along on the screen. Gracious God, thank you for your written word and, and speak to us in this moment. Open our ears and our heart, our very soul to truly receive from you the, the love and the grace, the mercy that you showed this woman. Make it real in us. In Jesus we pray. Amen. John chapter 8, starting with verse 1. While Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who'd been caught in adultery. And making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They said this to test him, so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. This is the word of the Lord, the good news. Just a little aside, this passage, if you look in your Bibles and you're interested in this kind of thing, it has little uh, brackets next to it because this, this passage were, um, uh, was unsure what part of the scripture it, it was in. It was found in different parts and in some parts was removed um, altogether. It's all part of the, the study of the document that's the New Testament and the Old Testament. And uh, I mean, scholars today are un they differing as to where it goes, but by and large, the majority are um, sure to say that this is a an authentic story, an event in the life of Jesus. But uh, because probably of its radical teaching, was difficult to include. And Augustine, and he's a Christian leader, a long, long time ago, like in three hundred. He said it was because the church didn't have enough women in leadership. 
that this was um, not more prominent in the scriptures. So Augustine was way ahead of his time. But certainly, and this certainly fits in the whole tenor of Jesus' life in uh, scripture, but you may be wondering about those brackets. But what I want us to notice is the difference, the differing ways that the religious leaders entered the closet and the way Jesus did. The, the religious leaders really do a great job of demonstrating how really the, the world deals with the secrets and the shame of our lives. The, the religious leaders, they're wanting to catch Jesus. And they're wanting to, to trick him. So, so they're, they're wanting to use this woman to catch her. They've obviously planned it. I mean, it's not something that a group of men are just going to happen upon on the street. They've set a trap. And they've caught this woman in a compromising position. And so now they've raided her closet for their benefit. To expose and condemn her and trick Jesus you know, there's, and it gathers a crowd. I mean, what the religious leaders are wanting to do is catch Jesus. And any time, I mean, just how many kiss and tell books are there? I mean, how many magazines are there and newspapers at the checkout line that are exploiting the secrets and shame and audacious actions of celebrities and people and UFOs too, but um, all the kiss and tell stuff that's there. How many television shows are there? That that's all they do? What's that TMZ show? I mean, that's all that it's about is trying to exploit the celebrities caught in their secrets and their shame because it draws a crowd. Obviously, there's a market for it. It plays on something within us as humans to catch others in their secrets and shame. So there's an entertaining part about it with the group. And then there's also... The sense of judgment, the sense of condemnation, that the sense that the religious folks in that day could use this woman and show just how bad she was because that made them the judge, made them morally superior to her. The, the way, it's the way of the world. It's, it's the way of the religious leaders in Jesus' day who exploited the closet for their own Benefit. They use the secrets and the shame, the guilt, to harm, destroy, trick, and condemn. But look how Jesus dispels that. Look at what Jesus does here. I mean, first, you know, the, this, the woman in the closet door bursts open and the cameras are rolling. The lights are blazing and the whole world sees and this woman is brought into a square before Jesus and the whole crowd. Can you imagine the embarrassment and the shame? And what does Jesus do? You can answer. What does he do? Yeah. Leans down. Starts playing in the sand. I, if you're there, what are you going to do at that moment? 
What, where, what are you wondering about? What are you noticing? If you're, at the, if you're part of the crowd, Jesus, the ruler, leans down, starts doodling in the sand. What are you wondering? What's he writing? Isn't that brilliant? Because all eyes turn to him. The eyes turn off the woman. The entertainment factor has now been moved. And everybody, wouldn't you be? I want to know. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, man, what's, hey, what's he writing? What's he saying? He's deflected that attention to himself from that woman whose shame is exposed and exploited. Then, as he's addressed that, he then deals with the judgment and the condemnation. You know, we, we wonder, he does, we wonder what he's writing, and there's all kinds of guesses. Maybe he's writing a passage. You know, maybe he's writing Deuteronomy 22 that says that a man and woman must be stoned. Did you catch that? you see the difference between what the law said and what was happening there? One of my top choices that Jesus was writing is, where is the man? Because the law would be that both would be stoned. And I think by doing that, he would reveal to the crowd there that these guys really aren't about righteousness. These guys aren't about God's plan and purpose. They've got an ulterior motive here. He might have been writing what he's about to say. He may have been writing, he who, has the first, he, who, he who has not sinned cast the first stone. We don't know. But then he stood and said that. He said that to the, the religious leaders, the one who supposedly in their righteousness and purity were bringing this woman for judgment in the community. He said, now the one who is without sin is to cast the first stone. And he caught them in their own game. In that act, he dispelled the sense of moral superiority for any human being. There is no difference between me and you and those religious leaders and the woman in the eyes of God. And and he teaches that in that very moment. He says, before God, there is no difference with with any of us. He dispels the the attention and entertainment on her and then dispels and corrects the sense of moral superiority that can happen and that as the world enters the closet. And he shows us that when he enters the closet, what he does, he brings a strength. Please don't let anybody tell you grace is weakness. (laughs) Don't let anybody tell you love is a crutch. It takes a real man and woman to love in the grace of Jesus 
anybody can be judgmental. Matter of fact, it's pretty weak to condemn others. What takes strength, the strength of Jesus, is to stand before an angry crowd and say, there's no difference between you and this woman. That's the grace and mercy that Jesus shows us when he enters into our closet. It's not. He doesn't come in with anger. He doesn't come in and take all the dirty laundry and throw it out. He comes in with us and he closes the door behind him. He says, let's deal with this. Let's clean this up. Just as he does with the woman. Is there anybody here to condemn you? No. And then the key thing, because the one person who had the right to throw a stone, the one person who was qualified to judge, says, I refuse to judge, and I condemn you no longer. Now, seek life in me, sin no more, walk with me in life. Now, for any of you, if you've got a closet filled with secrets and shame and and you've bought into the lie that God is the one that's going to judge you and in wrath and anger throw all your dirty laundry out of the closet and rub your face in it, here to tell you today, no matter what, Jesus refuses to condemn you. So please stop condemning yourself. Refuse the lies that you catch from the world that condemn you. And invite Jesus into the closet and let His grace and mercy bring life and truth and beauty. Grace is a really hard thing to grasp. Really hard to believe. That that God indeed would say, you're forgiven. Would Would indeed say that you are not condemned. Period. I mean, it's what we celebrate every time we gather at the table. That Jesus died for us. This is His body, His blood, where He stood in our place. Taking our condemnation on Himself so that we wouldn't have to. That is the good news. That is grace and mercy. And there's nowhere else that it can be found in the whole world than in Him. Two examples this week, actually three different people, have, have, have given an example of a grace. Even, it was even used in, in both cases, in both events in the popular media. One was a baseball game. The uh, a pitcher for Detroit Tigers, Galarraga, right? Yeah, Galarraga. Pitched, actually, 
a perfect game. Nobody got on base or anything until the last out. Bottom of the ninth inning, two outs, perfect game. Batter got a, the batter hit the ball, throw was to first, and the umpire called him safe. He was one out away from being one of what, 22, 23 people in the history of baseball to throw a perfect game. Replays showed the umpire was wrong. That he really was out at first base. And Galarraga was, should have been one of the 22 pitchers in the history of baseball to have his name in the record books. You know, it was amazing. When it came out, when the, the replay showed, Galarraga said, hey, it happens. It's a game. I know I pitched a perfect game. People make mistakes. I mean, what grace. He had every right to demand what was rightfully his, what he indeed had earned. But he refused. And what was even more gracious was that the umpire, Jim Joyce, said, I was wrong. Talk about grace. He didn't defend himself. He didn't try to explain it. He just said, yeah, I was wrong. What, what grace at a game. Now, did you read the story also about Raymond Towler? It's in the newspaper. It was 29 years ago that he was convicted of a crime that was a life sentence. And in May this year, he was released because evidence had finally been developed to prove that he didn't commit the crime. He spent 29 years of his life behind bars. When he went in prison, cell phones didn't exist. He came out, he couldn't figure out what those lines were in the grocery store that you could go through by yourself because he'd never seen them before. 29 years of his life that you could rightfully say was robbed from him. And yet when he was released in May, A spokesperson for at UC said this about him. The thing that you cannot imagine about this man is the grace that he has. He's not bitter. He's one of the most remarkable people you could hear talk. He's got this spirit about him that's hard to describe. He set the record for the one being in prison the longest time as an innocent man. And he exudes that this kind of grace. That's, that's what grace is. That's what mercy is. As each of those just this week describe and demonstrate to us on a greater scale the grace and mercy that God has for each of us. He wants to come into the closet in gentleness and love so as to lead us 
to life. He died. He rose from the dead so that he would lead us into the fullness of life. What's in your closet? We let him in. And if you say, you know, Jesus is in my closet and it is, it is, I celebrate his grace and mercy. Then how many people outside of these walls need to hear that? I can't tell you how many people who I talk to who their view of religion, their view of church, their view of God is the religious leader of Jesus' day instead of Jesus. And if indeed we have experienced this grace and it indeed is ours, then man, we're, we're the ones with the good news and we've got to live it and, and share it with others and live in that same spirit of grace and mercy with others because there's no place they're going to get it except from Jesus. What a privilege. What a great opportunity that we have to experience that grace and then share it with others.